Welcome to the Faith Seeking Freedom Podcast, a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. Your questions about faith and liberty deserve thoughtful answers, and we're dedicated to giving you solid responses so you can live free and flourish. This is Doug Stewart, and I have Carrie Baldwin with me. Hey, Carrie. Hi, Doug. How are you? Oh, I'm just great. We get to answer a, a really softball, easy question. I'm being sarcastic <laughs> here. <laughs> we get this question a lot, whether it's I'm on a podcast or whether we just get emails and so forth. And a lot of Christian libertarians want to know how well did churches handle restrictions during the pandemic that were issued by their state due to COVID. And part of the concern is that the media and the government wants us to live in fear and we are not to have a spirit of fear that we are not to live in fear as Christians. And they kind of want to know, like, why did church leaders simply follow state recommendations? And I know that you have a particular take on this, and I think it's important for us to hear what your perspective is as well. Yeah, so this issue of fear came up quite a bit, and you sort of had both sides accusing the other of fear, right? You had one side accusing the other of being fearful of the virus, like overly fearful of the virus. And then you had the other side saying, oh, you're being overly fearful of the government. So it's interesting because it's easy to talk about how the Bible commands us not to fear. There's 138 times where some variation of fear not appears in scripture. And I think it's helpful to sort of reorient the way we're looking at this. Is this really a command or is it a reassurance? Because if it's a command, then our failure to not fear is viewed as sin. And this actually incentivizes us to deny the experience of fear. And leadership in particular would be particularly burdened with not showing fear when there's a crisis because people are looking to them to be leaders. But If we see those 138 instances of fear not in Scripture as a reassurance, then it's implied that we will experience fear. Hmm. And when we do experience fear, we're free to seek reassurance from the God of all comfort. That's a reference to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. So the incentive there then is to seek after and cling to God first. It's not shove down your fear and pretend it doesn't exist. So I think in many cases, when that accusation of fear came up, you know, Christians' leadership on both sides tended to just sort of pretend that they weren't experiencing fear because we often think of those verses as commands as opposed to reassurances. So that's the first thing that I think that we need to consider. The second thing is, There was a two-part fear, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, right? There was fear over the virus, and then there was fear of the state and what they would do. Now, since I've been alive, I can recall a number of viral scares. The first I can remember is HIV-AIDS. I can also remember hantavirus, bird flu, which is SARS-1, swine flu, anthrax, West Nile virus, and there were even a couple of cases of Ebola on American soil. But church leaders never feared those in a way that changed how they conducted worship. So what's different between then and now? I would say that the difference is is that the state amplified and exploited fears over SARS-CoV-2, the virus, you know, that we have now, and made 
threats of violence for not complying with their unlawful edicts. So they really exacerbated the entire thing. And unnecessarily so, we find out, you know, after all is said and done and the dust has settled, there wasn't even a good reason for all of that. And yet church leadership changed almost everything about worship in order to accommodate these edicts. I mean, they were fundamentally unlawful. Most of them were by way of executive orders and executive orders aren't laws. This is elementary civics, right? And so we had church leaders who were bending over backwards for things that weren't laws for a virus that in previous pandemics, they didn't freak out about. So I think a more precise question is why did church leaders suddenly turn on longstanding church practice for this particular virus? In other words, why not every other virus? And I think that the answer is, is because of an erroneous reading of Romans 13. And Doug, you and I both saw over the course of 2020 and 2021 that some of our most popular content on our respective websites, so that's LCI and then my website, Mayor Liberty, some of the most popular content was Romans 13 content. Like people were searching for answers to this particular question. Yeah, it's one of the most popular pages that we have on libertarianchristians.com. Yeah. So church leaders didn't change worship practices for any other virus, barring, say, maybe Black Plague. And that's, I think, categorically somewhat different. But they didn't change worship practices for any other virus until the state told them to. Now, why did they do this? I have seen this pattern a lot, and I'm going to use an example. I've seen this pattern a lot with women in abusive relationships, Christian women in particular, remaining in abusive relationships or marriages because they've come to believe that divorcing an abusive husband will mean angering God. So this is based on erroneous readings of passages related to divorce and suffering. So you have God-fearing women in these relationships who don't want to anger God and so go ahead and bend over backwards and submit to abuse by their husbands so that they don't anger God. I think this is the same phenomenon that we saw with church leaders. Is God-fearing church leaders complying with the state because of an erroneous and quite frankly sadistic view of Romans 13? which basically baptizes tyrannical actions as quote-unquote for our good or not a terror to Mm. those who obey. It's literally calling evil good, which is a violation of Isaiah 5.20, which tells us not to do that. So ultimately, this question of Romans 13 and how we interpret it is incredibly important. And it's very easy for us to think about it in more abstract terms, like more philosophical terms. But when it comes down to brass tacks, right, and actually putting our beliefs into action, I think that the reason why so many churches went ahead and capitulated is because of this fear, right? They might say fear of the virus, but that was amplified and exploited by the state in a way that we haven't seen in American history. I'll say this one last thing. My own pastor, One Sunday, this has been, I don't know, maybe two or three months now. We were were in Sunday school and he somehow got off on a rabbit trail about God-ordained authority and civil governance and our liberty that is given to us by God. And he actually confessed 
to us that he was wrong to stop in-person services for the first six weeks of the lockdown, even though like the church council had concurred with that. And he promised never to do this again. Now he's Mm. looking at this in hindsight because he saw that it was blown out of proportion. And one hallmark of Christians is that we don't fear death. Now, R.C. Sproul famously said, I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of how I will die. (laughs) And this is where the reassurance of scripture is taking us. We don't even need to fear the how. God knows we're going to die and he knows how we're going to die. And so scripture is actually calling us to cling to the truths of scripture in times of crisis and not to man and certainly not the state. So that was the perspective that I wanted to offer on that question. Yeah, I want to follow up a little bit, not to extend this for too much longer, but it seems as though the choice for a business or even for that matter, a church to close down for fear of being irresponsible. That's, you Mm -hmm. know, one way to, you know, fear of God's wrath is maybe one way that you just described that, you know, if they disobey the state, then they're going to bear the wrath of God. But there's also a more practical like responsibility. And I know that like pastors as shepherds of a flock, they want to be responsible for at least in some measure, the safety of those who attend. At the same time, my, my thought is, but wait a second, are you being disrespectful to people's autonomy and individuality in order to say, well, you know what? If I don't shut down services, there's going to be a whole bunch of people who will make stupid choices and they're all going to die, right? Like to exaggerate the situation a little bit. Whereas in my mind, at least because most churches in my area, my church did for, I don't know, a couple months, live stream only. I went to businesses and I'm like, why can't just individuals make their choices to like their own risk tolerance, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, if I want to go to church and worship, then I should be able to do that. And if I don't want to bear the consequences or bear the, you know, whatever of attending in a crowded environment, then, well, I can watch the live stream or I can, you know, go a different time or maybe I can just visit another church that uh, is more sparsely populated or something like that something that's a little bit more in my style. What would you say to that? Do you think that it's a little bit of um, not respecting the autonomy of the congregants? Well, again, I go back to the fact that we've had viral scares before. And it's never been a question of, hey, do we have some responsibility here? I know several business owners, and I had several conversations with even my pastor during the whole thing. And it all came down to, well, the state is telling us that we have to do this or we're going to get fined or we're going to get jail time or we're going to, you know, whatever it was. You know, there was... You mean there's a threat of violence? Yes. There was a threat of violence accompanying that. Yeah. And then it was like, well, okay, do I have to submit to this threat of violence? Like if churches wouldn't have normally reacted in this way to a viral scare, and we know that they wouldn't have because there are several examples where they didn't. If they're going to react like this, is it really because of a sense of responsibility or is that rationalizing their own fear? Mm -hmm. And I take it back to those examples. I had people who kept saying, but we've been giving... We actually had business owners get visits at home by state police saying that... They were going to take away their business license. They were 
giving all kinds of threats to these business owners at their homes. So fear plays a big part in how we respond to crisis. And it is not a coincidence that scripture mentions not fearing 138 times. And we tend to make really bad decisions when we're reacting from fear rather than thinking through it and really trying to make good decisions. Is there some sort of disrespect for the autonomy of their congregants? I certainly think that the state has absolutely zero respect for the autonomy of individuals. I wouldn't say that businesses and churches necessarily had that in mind. It was just they didn't want to get in trouble from the state. Didn't want to get in trouble from the state. Yeah, that seems to be a theme going around these days. Well, Mm -hmm. I think we'll leave it at that. And this is definitely a good perspective to keep in mind as we possibly face other things in the future, hopefully not anytime soon. This podcast was inspired by our popular book, Faith Seeking Freedom, which is available on Kindle, softcover, and audiobook at faithseekingfreedom.com. Want your questions answered on our podcast? Email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can reach more Christians with the message of liberty.